Hello. Hello. Hello and welcome to a brand new edition of Down the Line with me, Gary Bellamy, live on Radio 4, 0800 068 7060, or you can email me at downtheline at bbc.co.uk. OK, I'd just like to start by playing you a message from our answer phone this week. Um, just have a listen to this. All right, Gary, Steady. Come on, Gary, we're all down at all bar one. No, not that one, Matt, the other one. Down the line is an absolute disgrace. Yeah, that's the Listen one. Listen to it. You would think that the British people were, to a man, ignorant, bigoted, narrow-minded twits. There are so many clever, talented, interesting people in this country. Why, oh, why, oh, why, oh, why can't you... You have some of them on. I'm sorry, my wife wrote this down for me. Why, oh, why can't you have some of them on? Instead of the parade of little English bigots and crackpots you parade every week, also, I seriously think... We should bring back hanging. Right, now that really got me thinking. Maybe we should have some more clever guests on the show. Uh, We tried to get Stephen Hawkins, but he was unavailable, and Richard Dawkins and Jermaine Greer. Uh, Then we asked the the Archbishop of Canterbury and Lynn Truss, that woman who wrote the book on uh, punctuation, and Stephen Fry, and we also asked Mark Commode, who's uh, yet to get back to us. But instead, we've got a man who's written a clever book. My guest today is Professor Andrew Vester, who has written a book called The String Conspiracy. Hello, Andrew. Hello there, hi. Now, it sounds very exciting, isn't it, The String Conspiracy? Like The Da Vinci Code, but it's not exactly uh, uh, an exciting book, is it? Well, when I say not exciting, I mean it's, you know, it's, it's like a factual book rather than... I see what you mean. No, it's not fiction. It is a factual book. It's a science mm. book. Uh, it's about... Right, and it's not about string. No, it's either. not about actual string. No, it's about the string theory. Now, that is quite a complicated uh, subject. Is there anything... Can you explain to people at home exactly what string theory is? Well, of course, the, the, the thing about it is there is no string theory. There is just a theory that there might be a theory. It, it, nevertheless, it has become the dominant theory in physics. If you don't adhere to it, you won't get funding, you won't get promotion, you won't win science prizes, you won't get a job. And that's what my book is about, how the string theory has stifled all other research and become like, like a form of medieval religious orthodoxy. Well, like the Da Vinci Code? In a, in a way, yes. I mean, one set of beliefs has suffocated all others, yes. Right. So just for our listeners, uh, if you could explain, just for those who don't understand it, what exactly is string theory again? I mean, what is it really about? Well, I mean, the holy grail of physics has always mm. been... The holy grail is a bit like the Da Vinci Code. Because in the Da Vinci Code, uh, the grail is uh, Jesus' daughter or something, isn't it? Uh, Do you think your book would be as good as, as sell as much as the Da Vinci <laughs> well, Code? Well, you know, I would hope so, but, you know, it, um, I doubt that it will. No. Well, what exactly is, just I, I, to reiterate, the, what is string yeah, theory? The, the holy grail of physics has always been to find the unifying theory of everything. Like E equals MC squared. Exactly. We and, of course, that, yeah. you know, at, at, the t- at the time, it was felt that Einstein's theory suddenly explained everything. But, yeah. you know, that was a long, long time ago. Mm. Uh, 1950-something? 1905. 1905? E was MC squared. is very simple, and we all, know, we all understand that one. Well, yeah, why don't you explain to people at home exactly what it is? Right, well, you know what E, e is? E stands for? Yes, of course. It is? E, equal, e equals MC squared. Yeah, no, no, well, what is E? E, it's um, entropy or something Energy. Like that. Energy. Right, and M is? Movement. Mass. Mass. And C, of course, is... Everyone knows that one. Yeah. So E equals MC squared. Speed yeah. of light, squared. Basically, yeah, it's saying that energy and ki- mass are equivalent. Einstein's theories talk about large objects. Uh, quantum mechanics talk about very small objects. And it was discovered that very small objects don't behave in the same way as large objects. I mean, you know, what's the smallest thing you can think of? A uh, mouse. Smaller than that. 
a bit of dust. Smaller than... No, we're talking about atoms, molecules. You're going right down to the very smallest things that we thought that existed in the universe at the time, which is particles. Particles. Which are zero-dimensional points. Right. Right, well, um, let's go to the phones now. Uh, my first call is Ron Hartley. Hello, Ron. Hartley. Ron Hartley. Hello. Hello. Do you two have any idea of the nonsense that is coming out of my radio into my ear hole. If you're trying to physically make people go and turn their radios off, you're doing a very good job, my friends. Cutting up frogs, explosions in test tubes. That is where most people's knowledge of science ends. Now, you're coming on here, right? And I'll tell you what, the young fella, he don't know what you're talking about. And Hang he's on. Like, he's doing a good job of trying to go along with him, but you like a bloke being dragged along by a kite. What are you talking about? We're talking about how the universe works, how it was created, how we all got here. Now that is... A scalpel in the back of a frog, right? Yeah, hang on. A bit of sodium and magnesium, a bit of something else, wallop. How do you I've think... I've gone across the room. That's Listen... the last time I ever did any science. Ron, Ron. Yeah? How do you think we got here? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm torn between the alien spacecraft coming down and putting a couple of people here and... Came people coming out the ocean, frog, yeah, but bird, what man, we're talking gorilla, about is what happens before, before then. all that. Yeah, and the thing is, you're a scientist, right, mate? And all the science kids at school, I mean, I don't know whether it's a calling or whether you've just done it because no one else wanted to speak to you, but it's the spotty kids, the losers, the weirdos, the kids with, with odd socks. And you lot, while we're out there, we've got conkers, birds, you know, pubics are coming on, but you're plotting and you're planning. And you're the fellas that are coming going, right... The, the, the computer fella, what's his name? David Guest. Bill Gates. Bill Gates, yeah, him. You come back and it's like that film, Revenge of the Nerds, am I right? Well, you know... Did you do organised sport? I, I, didn't do, I didn't do any sport at school. I had bad asthma. Oh, there's a shock. But listen, organised sport isn't going to save this planet, is it? Of course it is. What do you think the World Cup is? Yeah, but it... More people watch that and listen to this. Tell me this. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Uh, Ron. Uh, Ron. Tell me this, Ron. There was a lot of dispute in the, uh, the World Cup over goals. Yeah. Did it go over the line? Didn't it go over the yeah. line? Yeah. We're relying there on the referee's judgment. What was everyone saying? Mm. Yeah. We need science. We need scientists yeah. to come in yeah. and take Hang over on. football yeah. and put in some scientific equipment. We could say... You can't have people in white coats walking up and down the pitch with tongs and all that, and stethoscopes and test tubes. They wouldn't be doing that, would they? they? We could put a satellite in space with cameras on it so powerful that from thousands of miles up in space, they could tell better than the referee on the pitch whether it was a goal. Our next call, uh, we've got uh, Paphos calling. Hello, Paphos. Hello, Gary. Mm? Hello, Gary and Professor. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. What is time? Well, that's very interesting. Well, that's very interesting. We're going right back to Einstein here because up to that point, uh, no, everyone we thought. Uh, what is stop? What is time? Very impo- important appointment. Uh, well, I actually, have to make a very important appointment. Well, actually, my watch is, uh, is it was at least running slow. It possibly stopped. You two yours no help. <laughs> okay, thank you very much, though. If we can have some serious questions for the professor. Hi, hello. You through down the line. You're live on Radio Four. Hello. 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 Gary. Yes. Is that Gary? No, hello. Yes, hello, Gary. Yeah. I I think I can hear someone shuffling about in the attic. Right. Uh, well, we're not actually talking about that today. I live alone. We're not talking about ghosts and uh, things like that today and strange phenomena. I think it might 
be a burglar. Yes, but we're not talking about crime. We're talking about string theory. So uh, if you want to talk about string theory, give us a call on 0800 068 7060. So can you just explain, for the listeners at home, obviously, um, what is it? Well, you know, let me, let me make it simple for you, because yeah. it, it, it's a fascinating area. Yeah. String theory was originally invented to explain some peculiarities of the behaviour of hadrons. Hadrons? And what are hadrons, just to, for the people who don't understand? For the listeners at home. Yeah. They're, they're subatomic particles, such mm. as the, the proton and, and the neutron, of course. <laughs> I'm sorry, but hadrons does, does sound like something off Lord of the Rings or something. Have you made that up? <sighs> Did you invent this conspiracy of string? No. It was invented by a number of different scientists. In particular, Yoichiro Nambu realised that the dual resonance model of strong interactions could be Mm. explained by a quantum mechanical model of strings. Right. So... Right, all right, look. Can you just explain... I mean, there are people... I understand what you're talking about... You know, well, the basic premise, but premise people at home don't. is that the smallest parts oh, of the world are yeah. not particles, but tiny strands of one-dimensional energy called mm. strings. Yeah. And, and they're extremely small, I mean, possibly Planck length. Planck length? That's not very small. No, no, uh, Max Planck, uh, it, it's about 10 to the power of minus 35 metres. Absolutely, I mean, you know, inconceivably small. Max Planck. And these strings, by vibrating in different ways, like the strings of a violin, oh. they create they're, they're all the building blocks of the universe, particles, photons, so etc. They're, they're made by sort of like music, then? It vibrations? Is. It is, it is. And the different vibrations of these strings vibrating create matter. Can we ever travel through time... The thing about string theory is yeah. that a lot of these ideas that we, we're familiar with from science fiction mm. are, are turning up in string theory yeah. as, a, as a way of possibly explaining things. For string theory to work mathematically, yeah. I won't bore you with the sums, no, it please. worked out that the universe had to have more than the standard four dimensions. See, right, so now the fourth dimension is time travel, isn't it? Time, not time Time travel. travel. The fifth dimension, is there a fifth dimension? Well, according to string theory, we can have up to 26 dimensions. Right, so why can't we see them? Because of compactification. Right, yeah. Six-dimensional models resolution is achieved with calibre Yau spaces. Right. In seven dimensions, as you know, the term G2 manifolds. Of course, yeah. And another possibility is that we're stuck in our three plus one dimensional space. Mm. And that's a subspace of the full universe. Yeah. So, you see, that's how they're making it all make sense, that we've got these different dimensions folded in upon each other. Like parallel universes. Exactly, like parallel universes. So, basically, there's my world here, and then there could be a parallel universe with me, but I might be something else on this parallel universe. For example, there could be a Harry Gellamy, who might be uh, uh, not a radio DJ, but maybe he's a... A hospital DJ in a hospital on a parallel universe, which doesn't cure sick people, but maybe makes them ill because it's a parallel universe, a hospital that works in a different way. It's possible, but unlikely. I mean, really, what we're more likely to be seeing in these other parallel universes is a howling void or... Howling void, that that sounds like a kind of a, a blues artist or maybe some kind of progressive rock band. Howling void. Uh... Yeah. Well, recently in an episode of Doctor Who, right, there were two parallel universes, right, and you saw Rose, her dad, was dead in, the, in this world, in our world, but in the other world he was alive. And by travelling from one void to another, the energy actually created the end of the world in another planet. So they couldn't keep crossing through the parallel universes because the energy discharged would kill another, what, the other parallel universe. I didn't see that one. Right, uh, I've got another, question, another caller for you, uh, Andrew. I've got uh, Katrina. Hello, Katrina. Hello, Gary. I'm, I'm a Christian. And oh, here we for go. me, string theory is so important because it explains God's miracles. Mm. You see, if you think about our world, the brain world, as a television, 
inside a house. Mm. And that is the bulk world. And we've only got our three dimensions where we are in the television. And in the bulk world, there's the other nine, perhaps even ten out there. Mm. And that's where God is. That's why we can't see him. Well, this is the whole thing. Exactly the point I've been making about string theory. Is it? It's based on belief. There's no actual proof that any of the string theory stuff actually exists. And it's exactly the well, same with religious belief. There's no, there's no definite proof that God exists. No, but is Therefore, that... the, the belief in string theory is extremely close to the belief in God. And, and yes, think... they're both dealing with things we can't see, things that are hidden. I think we're extremely close to seeing God. Right. I think we're probably as close to seeing God as we are to seeing the Hobbes boson space. Now, I'd like to ask a question with a Christian on the phone and a man of science, and the two don't always go hand in hand. In fact, there are a lot of arguments, you know. Yeah, but, you know, let's face it, Christians talk a lot of old nonsense. I don't think there's and, any need You know, I'm, I'm not singling out Christians, all religions... Across the board, Hindus, Buddhists, Judaism, Muslims, yeah, cover whatever. We, we might as well list them all just in case you might... Whoever, just, so we, just so we're not going to offend anyone by leaving them out. Uh, exactly. But as you, you know, the lady here, uh, uh, Katrina, is talking about uh, God. Now, Jesus it was God's son, right? Yeah. Now, we kind of know he exists, so how do you answer no, he that? he exists as a person, yes. Right, but he was the son now, of there's God. There's no proof that he was the son of God. I could say, I'm the son of God. The two, you know... That's Are you claiming logic. to be the son of God? I mean, you have got a beard, which is one thing, yes, but you are... He's got a closed mind. Who has? The professor. Right. I, I would say exactly the same of you, love. You've got a closed mind. Well, it... I think you will look pretty silly in a couple of years' time when they get a good, clear look at God. Well, how are they going to do that with the Hubble telescope? Look, 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 look. If God makes himself manifest and appears in front of me, I'll believe in him. I think you have him. to do some pretty quick catching up when they see God. I'd like to know what you meant about the television in the corner of the room. Well, if but not of... now. Thanks very much for your call. Okay, um, another question for Andrew here. We've got Stuart on the line. Hello, Stuart. Call, it's call me Stewie, Gary. Stewie, okay, Stewie. Yeah. How are you? I'm all right, mate. I just, um, I just, I was listening to what you were discussing with the uh, professor there. Yeah. I mean, I know it's a long time ago, right? And in between, we've had the debacle of McLaren and his umbrella, Carson and Croatia in the Euro qualifiers. But one thing that still really bothers me, Gal, and keeps me awake at night as it goes, is why Sven took Walcott to the World Cup. What is your point? Not that he took him, mm. because the boy is a blinding talent. He's got a lot of potential and his pace is unbelievable. But having taken him, he took him and he never played him. Now, you tell me what is going on there. It's Lampard. He couldn't have barned all the cow, could he? Do you know what I'm saying? Well, there's Walcott. He mm. took him over there and he's not played him. Do you know about who these people are? You know, I don't get the idea that us scientists are, you know, living in our ivory towers. I watch football as much as the next man. I loved the World Cup. Yeah. And, well, you know, crap, you see though. the way... Well, crap, you see Beckham, you not... see Beckham taking a free kick. That's physics in action. Yeah. That's gravity. Yeah, but it That's goes all way these back different then. forces. We've been crap for years. They say we've got the English fighting spirit. When's that one us anything? 1966. Can you what a joke. Why didn't what? they give Cluffy a go? Because he was too yeah. dangerous. Stewie, Stewie. That's why. Stewie. That's why they Stewie, got the Invincibles. Stewie. Stewie. And that's Stewie, why we got bloody McLaren Stewie, and not O'Neill. Stewie. Because the Stewie, yes, men, isn't it? Mediocrity. We're Stewie. No, we're Stewie, no good technically. Stewie. We're not Stewie, we're no good. Stewie. Stewie. Let's Stewie, play foreigners. Stewie. 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 Let's blame the wags. Stewie. Blame the girlfriend. Stewie. Stewie. What is your point? Oh no, I'm getting a parking ticket. I'm gonna have to go. Okay, uh, I've got Andrew Vesta here, who's taking your calls on uh, science. And my next caller is uh, Cherry Ruggerton. Is that Sherry, right? Sherry. Sherry. Hello, nice to meet you. Talk to you. What's your question for Andrew? Well, 
I was just ringing up really because of Doctor Who. I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. And um, my favourite one is a 1981 story by Christopher H. Bidme. Yeah. Set in East Space. It's Tom Baker's final episode. It's a four-parter. Broadcast March 1981. Legopolis? That's it. Legopolis, yeah. At 5.10. It's, um, t- I don't expect you to remember, but the TARDIS oh. accidentally passes through a charged vacuum embodiment from their own universe. The CVE? That's it, the CVE, yeah. Do you really like Doctor Who that I much? I love it so much. So much. Well, Legopolis is the last ever Tom Baker story, and, it, and at that mm. point, you know, it was dealing with... Block f- transfer computation. The block transfer computation. Mm. They must have the theory, don't they, the Logopolitans? Yeah, yeah. Logopolitans. They, well, they're not real people, but they... No, uh, but they make things, don't they, objects purely from math. How does it... I can't believe this. Yeah. I love it, I love it. See, my, my girlfriend, Michaela, she doesn't even like it. She thinks I'm a bit of an idiot watching it. Ah, well, she's wrong. Andrew, uh, what do you think of I Do- used to, I, you know, growing up, I loved Doctor Who. Watched it all the time. One of the things that made me want to become a scientist was understanding all this stuff. I think, could a TARDIS really exist? Could yeah. we travel through space and time? The, the more recent series, I found, it concentrated more on relationships and stuff like that. Not yeah, so much hard. a guy, isn't it? I wasn't, wouldn't use that word, but there's not so much hard science in it. Ch- cherry, cherry, isn't it? Cherry, yeah. Cherry. Listen, Cherry, have you ever been to a convention before? Oh, yeah, every single one, yeah. You should uh, get, get, stay on the line at the end of this call and give, and give Matt your details, right? Because uh, we, could, we could definitely go to one okay. of these conventions together. That'd be great, yeah. yeah. Don't tell Michaela, though. No, I hope she's not I listening. Haven't. I haven't got a boyfriend, so, yeah. No. She won't be listening. It's about science. So many women turn off when they hear about science. Oh, We're... not interested. Is that true? No, it's not true. That... Actually, we've got another caller now who is a, who's a female scientist. Maybe you two should get Fantastic. together. Who's there? It's Victoria Astaire. Hello, you're a scientist. Yes, I... It, a female scientist. Does... You're a female yes, scientist. that's right. It does irritate me. Why does everyone perceive scientists uh, to be male with beards? You know, the, this image of men who eat boiled eggs from Tupperware boxes, and, uh, or they look like the man from the royal family, or Stephen <laughs> well, Hawking. Well, you know, believe you me, I've met a lot of scientists. A lot of them are like that, but it doesn't I make mean, them any less exciting and interesting as people. No, but this is a this is a, a not a good image to, to propagate, and it's not it's not true. You know, the only scientist I know who looks like Stephen Hawking is Stephen Hawking. You know can I, sorry, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Gary. Can I just ask what Andrew looks like? What well, I look, I look quite normal, I suppose. I'm, I'm average height. I've got <laughs> average, uh, a little bit short. I've got thinning hair. I've you got, haven't got any hair. I'm, I'm bald. I, I wear glasses. Very thick glasses. And I've got Your eyes are quite um, big under them. And I've got, uh, I've got. A, I must confess, I've got a small beard. What's a small beard? A moustache? I'd say kind of Jeff Capes. Right. Okay. Uh, my next caller uh, to speak to Andrew is Ryan Goadby. Hello, Ryan. Hello. Hello. Yeah, I'm calling about Doctor Who. It's become way too gay. Right. It used to be a, an informative science programme, which also frightened you. It was a thriller. It was everything in one. Now, it is a simple ex- uh, excuse for, for the homosexuals on the BBC right. to put their views across. We've got flying Daleks. But what does that, what does that, why does that make them gay? Oh, look at me. I'm a fairy. I can fly, you know. They can't fly. They, they yeah, go you, I don't think it's fair to say that Doctor Who is, 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 is a gay programme. I have nothing against gays, um, but they are taking over everything. They're oh, taking come over on. politics, they're taking over television, they're taking over banking industry. All the people in Lord of the Rings, they're all gay. Only Frodo. Uh, Coronation Street, there's gays in that. Um, Everdale Farm. Thank you, thanks for your call. I think we know where that's going. Uh, I don't think we need to hear your prejudiced views on homosexuality. So, Andrew, we're talking about string theory. Um, do you think it's a problem, um, the increasing gayness of uh, Doctor Who? Well, is it gay? He's not necessarily gay-gay. In fact, in that last series, the Doctor did say he did kiss Captain Jack, and they danced together. 
But that, that's a good thing, don't you think, to see, to see two men dancing on... Well, you know, speaking as a scientist where we look at... Everything has to be proved, we look at the facts, is there any evidence? I suppose you could say him kissing another man is evidence of a certain degree of gayness. But do you think it's bad that gay overtones have come into Doctor Who? Do, uh, do you know many... I've got absolutely no problem with the gay sensibility behind the show, no. But uh, I was here mainly to talk about string theory. Yes, but no-one really understands what that is, but we all can talk about whether Doctor Who's gone gay or not. Well, uh, yeah. OK, um, I've got Hillary on the line. Uh, you got a question for Andrew. Hello, Hillary. Uh, hello. I, I uh, uh, yes, I've been listening in, in... I've been enthralled, really, I suppose, is a way to describe it, you know, by the um, professor... Mm. Uh, I, I frequently read the New Scientist, and so I know a little bit about this area, you know. Good, um, good. Um, the, as we know, the fundamental component of matter has often been propounded uh, in one form, but now the string theory is suggesting that um, it is not, matter is not a mathematical pint, but it is one-dimensional thing called a string, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, thank you. Sorry about that. I, I was hoping that would be another call about Doctor Who, um, but it wasn't. So, uh, if we can have some serious questions for the professor... Right, I've got a couple of questions for oh. your professor. Fire away. OK. Why does a watch pot never boil? Well, that goes uh, back to the idea of relativity. Why does always go but... into people's eyes? Where do well, socks go in the wash? Again, How well, does I think the telephone that's... work? Well, that's electromagnetic forces. Why does toast fall upside down? Well, well, doesn't how does a TV remote control work? And well, again, what did using... people do before they were invented? Well, they used to get up the and last walk... question, what are seven eights? Were you... Fifty-four. No, 56. Thanks very much for your call. OK, um, I've got Lorraine Jellis here to talk to you, Andrew. Hello, Lorraine. Hello, Gary. Hello, hello. Andrew. Hello. Um, what kind of string is it, then? This string, is it... It's, is a it string, like a... it's a string of energy that creates matter. Oh. It's so not it... matter in itself. Not matter. Do you think Doctor Who's gone gay, Lorraine? Separate too gay. I just wanted to say, I was watching Weird Science the other day. Mm. I just wondered that in that film, they create a woman of their dreams. Now, Andrew, could you do that if you couldn't get a girlfriend? Would you ever consider doing that? I don't know. It's, it always comes up. The question of sex. Could you create this beautiful sex object? You've tried. Have you ever tried? All physicists at one time in their lives have carried out experiments in an attempt to create a woman who will... Fulfil their every need. ...do exactly what they say, yes. So how far did you get? Just a hand, or was it a boob, or a body, or what did you do? It was just a vague, shimmering shape. Right. It, 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 it didn't, it didn't uh, coalesce into, into pen- matter. It, right. it didn't really get beyond the energy. But, you know, we had fun, we found it quite exciting Did you tell your wife? We? Did this you tell your wife? Oh, this was long before. Hang on, when you say we, when you say we, do you mean you and the shape, Some or you the and your friends? At, uh, so you, so uh, a group of you made a woman... Well, no, you... we didn't actually manage to make a woman. We, we, we carried out some experiments to see if it was hypothetically possible to make a woman. And how far did you get? Well, we created this vague, shimmering energy, which and... had some female qualities about it. And you all had a go, did you? Who, who got to go on her first? Well, there was nothing to go on. It was just this energy. But if you stepped into it, you did. You know, it gave you a sort of slight tingling sensation. Well, how many of you? Ste- how many of you stepped so into it? It was a virtual roasting in a way, wasn't it? Uh, well, well, if you like. But actually, one time we did turn it up too high, and someone stepped into it, and, then, and they did get roasted. It became like a, a sort of giant microwave and uh, wow. singed his eyebrows right off. <laughs> it was uh, very funny at the time. <laughs> Thanks very much for your call, Lorraine. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. OK, Andrew, we've got some uh, more phone calls for you now. Yeah, we've got Dave from Crawley. Hello, Dave. Uh, yes, I just wanted to make a comment about string theory. Mm. I believe it, uh, in string theory, it strongly implies the existence of 10 or even 11 space-time dimensions. Depending on which string theory you, you go with, yeah, I mean, anything up to 26. Yeah, well, 
I have to say, I can barely get my head around the existing three or four, if you count time as well. And why do they have to keep mucking about with these dimensions? I mean, there's nothing wrong with the ones we've got already. Well, I'd have, I'd, I'd, I couldn't argue with that, really. Why can't they just leave things as they are? What is the point of all this change, for change's sake? Well, I'd, it's... Why are they mucking about with it? I'd have to agree with you on that one. I mean, you know, it, the theory doesn't make sense. Hang on. Thanks very much for your call, Dave. You're welcome. Thank you. You just admitted that everything you're saying doesn't make sense. Well, if you were listening, that's the whole thrust of my book. Well, I wasn't listening. questioning the idea of string theory. You're just saying that everything you've written in your book doesn't make any sense. That's my book. It's called The String Theory Conspiracy. It doesn't, and it doesn't make any it's sense. It's about how all the, the scientists are telling us we've got to go along with this theory, but they haven't proved the theory. Because it doesn't make any sense. I don't, I don't believe in string theory, no. Well, then you've just written a book about it. How can you write I've a book written about... a book about how I don't believe in it. What? I mean, I, I'm completely baffled now. Um, let's go to the phones. Hello. Gary, mm? can we talk about ladies' bosoms? Pardon? Can we talk about ladies' bosoms? In what context? Oh, any context. Not really the sort of thing we should discuss on... Uh... Well, we could if it was something wrong with them, couldn't we? If it was breast cancer or... Well... Let's just celebrate them, Gary. I don't think it's the sort of thing we should discuss now. Oh, why not? Because we're talking about string theory. Although, they are quite nice. They're always topical. Mm. I saw one earlier. Mm? On its own. Mm. And then the other one came flopping into view. Yeah. I love the bosom. OK, let's take another call. Um, hello, who's there? Hello, I, I, I'm just reading about um, the Daleks, mm-hmm. or uh, the Garlics, as my uh, my five-year-old calls them. Why, why um, is that? He got the name wrong. Um, what I was talking about are the, gar- are the Daleks of the gay persuasion. Right. I don't think that's a new thing at all. I think the, 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 the Daleks have always been of the gay persuasion. If you think about it, has there ever been a female Dalek? No. No, they're all blokes, aren't they, who, uh, who like to hang out with each other. No, but they were created, weren't they? They were created in a laboratory on, uh, on Scaro, well, where the planet see, of the Daleks... We, uh, well, that's an entirely gay setup, isn't it? Because if you look at it, the whole thing about gays is, oh, we've got to get rid of the gays, whatever, because the human race will die out. Hang on. They've worked it out, how to, how to be a race of gay persuasions, haven't they? Yeah, hang on. And they do behave in a slightly hysterical manner sometimes, don't they? When? Well, you know, like a bunch of... Um, Don't say you know, it. Like, like a bunch of gay persuasions oh. in, a, in a nightclub. You know, all that zooming around, all that sterminate, sterminate business. Sterminate, sterminate, you know. It's a little bit hysterical, isn't it? Thanks for your call. We've got Graham Downs on the phone to speak to you, Andrew. Hello, Graham. How are uh, you? I'm all right, Gary. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Having a little chat about science. As far as I know, I've been listening, obviously. And mm. I'm beginning to just like to work, work, extend the hand of down the line friendship to you, Professor. Oh, thank you very much. I'm a regular caller, you see, Professor. Great. I'm a very, very regular caller. Yeah. I call Gary out all the time. That's right. I call him about many, many variety of subjects. Yeah. But What's your question? I'm very well read. Graham, yeah. why don't you ask Andrew your question? Okay, I'm asking question. First of all, with the science, I like science, but. I was a little bit clumsy at school. I was maybe b- breaking beakers and knocking over bunts and burners. Why was but that, My then? spatial awareness is not, was never very good, even when I was young. Well, you, can and I ask you a question? So, yeah, I'll say that. I'm okay. I've got a dog. That brings me a lot of joy. So yeah. it's uh, all my DVD collections. But I wish I had persevered with the science, Gary, because I do like the sound of that virtual woman. 
Well, you know, it, it, it was only ever an experiment. Yeah, but, uh, you know, all from small acorns, big trees grow. That for me, that would be perfect. Cause I don't know if you know, but I'm actually quite big. I don't know. I've been a bit naughty now, but maybe sexually, I wouldn't squash her then, because she'd be made of energy. Yes. Thank you, Graham. Uh, we've got time to squeeze in just one last call, but I'd just like to thank our guest today, Dr. Andrew Vester, who hasn't quite managed to explain string theory. Well, I th- and I uh, so let's have our last caller. Hello, who's there? I love gay. I love gay. <laughs> 